Welcome to the Pinnacle Podcast, brought to you by Pinnacle.com, the online bookmaker that offers you low margins, high limits, and a unique winner's welcome policy. Some of you listening to this will already be aware that we have a Premier League Insights series dedicated to soccer betting, and specifically the Premier League. However, with no games to talk about, that series has ground to a halt. Fortunately though, it's looking like some soccer leagues might resume, and while there's a lot of uncertainty in the air, I've brought Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal off Premier League Insights and onto the Pinnacle podcast to talk about what might happen over the coming weeks and months. Hello, Jake. Hi, Ben. Yep, uncertain times, but you know th- things are looking a little bit better with obviously the Bundesliga hoping to resume shortly. Um, God, I've missed football. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be talking about it again. It's, it's obviously been a while since we spoke. How have you been? Is everything all right? Yeah, everything's all right so far. Thank you. Um, Touchwood. Just been, you know, same as everyone really in lockdown um, at home, carrying on with work, trying to enjoy what sunshine there is. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some sort of football return, especially top end football. Right. Not that, I mean, people probably don't need reminding and I'm, I'm sure we've all been keeping a close eye on it. But what, what I'm going to do before we get into the reason we're here today and talk about what might happen in the coming weeks is... I'm just going to run through the current situation for the for the main leagues across Europe. And then what we can do is we can chat about what might happen, what should happen or, or what we think can happen in, in each league. Does that sound all right? Yeah, sounds perfect. Let's go. Cool. So we had uh, the Premier League that was postponed on March the 11th. That was just before game week 30. There's there's now talk of, of teams, training facilities potentially opening soon and, and looking like players will, will have to train individually at their clubs to start with. Technically, we've still got eight game weeks left to go, but a lot of rescheduling to do as well because of other competitions. So we're looking at 92 fixtures in in total. I mean, all sorts of scenarios being talked about, but a finish to the season, it looks unlikely at the moment, but we'll have to see what happens. As for the Serie A, I think that was the first major soccer league in Europe to be postponed in, in early March. That means they've obviously got more games than most left to play. And, and obviously the country has been one of the worst in terms of impact of, of COVID-19. Players will be going back to training on May the 18th. Apparently 12 game weeks left to go in that one. So obviously going to take some effort to, to finish the league over there. Um, then we've got La Liga. Wasn't too far behind Serie A with announcing its postponement in mid-March around the same time as the Premier League. Again, similar scenario with a lot of coronavirus cases in the country a lot of games to play and it, it just makes the, the whole situation even more confusing when, when everything comes into account. Communication from their government and, and news that I've read seems to be fairly vague with talks of, quote, the summer being the aim for return. So obviously I have to see what happens with that one. And then we've got Bundesliga seems to be the most hopeful of all, as you said at the, the intro there. Still waiting on official government approval, but it's it was May the 9th initially, now May the 16th, with, with all matches obviously being behind, behind closed doors. Um, and finally, the other two, just to talk about of any note, is Liga 1 and Eredivisie. Two elite leagues, completely been called off already. Liga 1 settled the, the league with the table as is, whereas the approach in the Netherlands, they just they scrapped the season. No title winner, no relegation, and... If anything, that just adds even more confusion because we've now got two potential scenarios for leagues that we've already seen both both governing bodies take take different actions. So a guessing game with remaining leagues already, plenty to talk about. So let's just let's run over some of the the potential alternatives or the the potential scenarios that we might see. And first of all, we can talk about the the approach of just voiding the season completely and 
starting over next year. Obviously, no promotion from leagues below, no relegation to to the leagues, and and no no title winner. So, what are your thoughts on on that as an approach? Um, I think especially compared to the the approach of Liga, I think the Eredivisie that that for me is a better way of doing things. Um, it it you know sort of avoids all the uncertainty of what could happen in terms of promotion, um, title winners, etc. Um, and I think all the clubs were sort of in agreement that that, that was a, a fair way to do things is just to almost wipe the slate clean, start again next year and focus efforts elsewhere um, in terms of local communities and obviously health workers and you know people who are struggling with the with the COVID-19. Um, as for the league earn approach, which is to take the, the final table, um, that for me was a strange one. Uh, obviously, you've got PSG who are comfortably clear at the top of the table. Um, and probably rightly deserve to win the title, but even so, the way that they've done it with the taking the league as it as it finished or as it as they were at, at 27 games played or however many it was, that just you know it, it's unfair on the teams that have had really tough schedules um, in the second half of the campaign where they've only played say eight matches, nine matches, and they've played a really tough schedule compared to teams that have played easier schedules. Um, that for me is, is is the wrong way of of doing things. It's sort of it is it is an unfair way of doing it. That's 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 the bottom line. And points per game has been has been spoken about, but that again doesn't take into account the the schedules that have been put in place. Um, you know, the, the Leon finished seventh. It looks as though they're going to miss out on European football for the first time this century. So you know, they they probably would have had um, a really good chance of at least climbing into the top five to to get European football. Um, had the season continued with their fixtures that they had left to play. So, um, you know, it, it's harsh as well to relegate clubs that were perhaps in with a chance of staying up as well. So, um, yeah, that that's a confusing one. And it's one that I'm sure will be debated long and hard throughout this summer. Yeah, and I guess it's, I mean, obviously people are people are desperate to to get the leagues back up and running and fair play to, to those leagues that have taken that approach. Obviously, two very different ones there. And, we we talk a lot about like relegation titles and and European competitions and things like that, but there's also the the prize money that's involved, and each place obviously has a has a certain value to it. And I'm not sure about other leagues. I know that the Premier League is very skewed at the moment in terms of how many games each team has played, and it springs to my mind as well. Villa, I think they're in the relegation zone. They've they've, they've got a game in hand, and it's just how does that play out? But on the topic of, of relegation and, and European qualification, there's another potential option is is the playoff option. So basically leaving the, the table in between the top and the bottom as it is and then using a playoff system to to sort out the, the finer details. How does that sit with you as an option? Um, I think if there's if there's scope to play any game, any football, you might as well play all the football. There's no point playing a couple of games for playoffs when, you know, if you wait another month or two, and it becomes safer to play rather than just playing two or three matches for a playoff. Just play the whole season. Um, it's a better way of doing it. But again, you, you know, how many, if you look at the Premier League table right now, you've got obviously Norwich have cut adrift at the moment, uh, six points from safety. But you've got Brighton up in 15, 29 points, so two points above Bournemouth, um, who sit in that third relegation spot. So you've got six teams there that, in theory, um, could all go down and could all stay up. So are you telling me we're going to have a you know what a knockout competition or a mini league because if you have a mini league you may as well play the rest of the season so um, again it's a strange it's a strange approach to, to take that into account and you'd probably have to do something similar for the Champions League and Europa League spaces given how much or how tight things are up there 
Um, obviously, with Chelsea five points between themselves and Sheffield United in seventh, um, and a further uh, four points back, um, Crystal Palace in eleventh. So the, the table is so tight, especially that if you're going to do playoffs for one, you've got to do playoffs for all. In which case, just just find time to finish the season, whenever that may be. And now we're we're talking about domestic campaigns here and. Hot topic seems to be qualification for European competitions, and let's not forget those those competitions still technically are are meant to be going going on as well. So, so how do, for you? How does how does Champions League, Europa League, what even happens with those competitions? Do you think? Yeah, it's it's such a tough one to call. Obviously, it's been thrown into even more chaos since France have completely said that they're not playing any sport um, from between now and, and September, and obviously PSG qualified for the. Champions League quarterfinal just before the, um, the 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 tournament was suspended. So um, yeah, we still got a tournament ongoing. Technically, um, you've still got you've got team now that isn't allowed to play matches in the, their own country uh, that are still in the competition. Um, it, it's all just a little bit chaotic, and it, there isn't a, no one's come out and put a sturdy plan in place. They just keep putting ben- benchmarks out there for. Um, you know, we'll reassess at this date and then this date. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's such a tough one to call. It's a tough one to talk about. But it, like I say it all depends on, um, on for me anyway. It depends on the Bundesliga and, and if they do get back underway, how much success they have um, in keeping the environment safe, um, in keeping people safe, and keeping obviously the players safe as well. Um, and if the, if they manage to do that, then that obviously will be replicated across different leagues in different countries. And then we might start to see completions of, uh, of these league seasons. But I know that there's obviously a lot of financial issues as well surrounding um, cancellings of seasons. There's obviously contract disputes because some players go out of contract in June. And if the season progresses past June, then what happens to the players that haven't technically got a contract? Um, so there's all these sorts of things going in the background. But if we could sort something out <clears throat> with you know the, those sorts of issues then I don't see a reason why we couldn't just play the league season a little bit longer uh, maybe finish it in September have three or four weeks break and then dive straight in again and just um, you know rather than having this weird two week two week winter break that we had this season just play an extra couple of game weeks in midweek um, and you know before you know it everything's back to normal and we've got a, a winter world cup as well coming up soon so um, that's going to take a, a huge chunk of the season out mid-season especially for the European uh, clubs. So I'm pretty sure there's a way they could work the calendar um, to be able to complete these games without trying to rush them and fit them in uh, before July. Well, that's just it, isn't it? So much unknown, so much uncertainty. And I'll be honest, I don't think me or you are are in any position to suggest what should or shouldn't be done. I'd I'd like to think that people with with more experience, probably a little bit smarter than us, uh, are able to make those decisions and hopefully they do make the right one. One of the... One of the ones that I did, we've been we've been talking a little bit, uh, messaging each other, and we thought one of the the cool directions to take or the interesting aspect to this is obviously the the other option that we haven't talked about, and that's some people have mentioned it in the media and things like that. This idea of simulating the remainder of the season or, or using a model of kind of performance from games that have been played to then project where where teams might end up. Um, so. You obviously you do a lot of work with the with InfoGoal and do that kind of thing. But before we talk about any results that that have come out of simulations that you've done or anything like that, would you be able to talk to us a little bit about how these simulations work and and in this specific case, what kind of inputs would have to go into a model to to project the final third of a league campaign? 
Yeah, so, um, you know, it has been mentioned a few times and I think there is scope for it to not obviously be the be-all and end-all, but um, to at least be in the conversation because at the end of the day, what, what we've got is we've got an expected goal model that um, that takes a rating for each team over the last 38 games, weighted for the last 10 matches. So we've got a really, it's almost like a, um, like a football manager rating, uh, you know, a rating of a team on FIFA. Um, and all that, all that we're doing really is we're just playing out the rest of the season in, in matchups. So um, Liverpool playing Aston Villa, we simulate the match tens of thousands of times. Um, and, you know, 90% of the time Liverpool might win that match. So they get 90% of three points. Um, uh, and then all we, all we do then is we, we simulate the rest of the matches for all the teams, add the expected points onto the um, actual points that they've already accumulated. Um, and then we get a final table. But obviously with this data, um, there's so many different variations that when you've got an expected points of 83, um, your spread of points that you could finish with is so vast and so wide. So um, Liverpool might be expected to finish with 97 points, for example, this season. But in 1% of the simulation, they might finish on the amount of points that they're on now. They might lose all the matches. Um, so all we're doing is we're simulating the rest of the season, adding the expected points on, and then finding a most likely finishing position based on the expected point simulation. So um, what we end up with really is just a final league table with the points and the expected points added together um, from the expected goals ratings, which have been built up for um, over over a season. So <clears throat> it's a really trusty way of doing it. And it's a fairer way of doing it than just say, finish a league season right now, because as we discussed, the schedules come into it, um, especially when things are really tight, head-to-head matches come into it as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good way of doing things. Um, and I think it's a much fairer way of doing it because it takes into account team's performances over the season yeah then brings up the the question of which model do you use how do you then decide based on simulations and things like that you're always going to upset someone aren't you and as long as West Ham don't end up in the relegation zone I'm, I'm happy for the info goal model to be used yeah, yes uh, well in, in our for our model um, we've got West Ham as having a 25% chance of going down so um, that would mean them finishing fifth bottom so yeah you could breathe a sigh of relief on, on that one Ben and then it's, I mean, if we were, if the season was going ahead and, and like we often do on Premier League Insights, we'll, we'll talk about the season in the, in the current state it's in and then potentially where teams might end up. But those discussions, that's obviously in a, in a normal league environment where we know everything that, that well, I say we know everything, but we're, we're aware of the, what might happen and, and how games play out and things like that. But obviously COVID throws up things like, I mean, we often talk about home advantage and how important that is. And you begin to think about, well, what happens if there's there's no one in the crowd or there's no crowd at all at a soccer match? Like, what impact does that have? Is that something that the InfoGoal can consider or do, and does consider in those simulations? Uh, well, for these simulations, we have um, we have home field advantage built into the model. So whenever whoever's at home, it calculates or it incorporates the home field advantage, which is around 0.3 of a goal. So um, yeah, so we incorporate that within these simulations. Um, Mark Taylor did some really good work recently for us, um, looking at home field advantage and uh, and what is or how it how it's evolved over time. And uh, and he calculated that in the 1980s, um, home field advantage, so the home team would would score 0.45 goals more per game um, than the away team. And but in 2012, that was down to 0.3. 
Um, so home field advantage was reducing. And that's continued to happen. So using games from the uh, Premier League under 21 and under 23 um, seasons, which are played at full state at big stadiums, the main stadiums, uh, but obviously have a really limited capacity of crowds. You're talking a couple of hundred um, effectively behind closed doors. The the home teams score only 0.25 of a goal more than the away team. So uh, it appears as though the home field advantage is decreasing anyway. So with home with with closed doors, it is likely to be um, it's still going to be there because you've still got the whole familiarity with the surroundings. You've got um, one of the studies that I saw takes into account like almost testosterone of defending your home field, your home patch. Um, so those things come into account. But home field advantage, in even if the fans were there, is not as prevalent as it used to be. Yeah, exactly. It's the the fans is obviously the big one that people think is almost like the driving force behind performance and that that added edge at home. But as you rightly said, it's the the testosterone boost from being at home. It's travel familiarity with the route to a stadium and the the surroundings of warm up changing rooms everything like that i mean it's it's an impossible question to answer but i thought it'd be interesting to get your opinion on it anyway yeah yeah obviously there are some teams that you could argue have a greater home advantage so you think about obviously it's an old cliche but you think about liverpool on a champions league night um for whatever reason liverpool on a champions league night almost they they defy all sorts of odds um they score arguably more goal, home goals than, than away do by probably 0.4. So, um, you know, there are certain teams where you could argue that the home field advantage is greater for them teams. Um, but the other study that we looked at, obviously, in in Syria, you've got five or six teams at ground share, um, which obviously means that both teams are familiar with the surroundings. They, the trip isn't as long. Um, they're familiar with the changing rooms. It's their turf, so their testosterone levels are up for defending it. Um, and again, the the uh, goal per game that's gained from the home team is is minimal, um, depend even if the crowd is majority for the home team. So um, home field advantage is basically it is decreasing. Um, so playing behind closed doors wouldn't change too much, really. Wouldn't give the away team more of an advantage. What I'm trying to say. Right. So you've you've given us a, a sneak peek and letting us know that the West Ham are definitely safe. They they wouldn't go down based on simulations. <laughs> Um, well, they, they all jokes aside, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll move on to to the Premier League and and what the info goal numbers suggest. Again, we're talking the the ten, twelve, whatever games it is left to go, um, and and what might happen if if things are played out for all the teams. Obviously, Liverpool are, are runaway leaders. We've we've drawn comparisons to to what's happened in France and kind of similar situation to PSG there. But here we've got a very tight battle for top four. Decent relegation scrap. There's a few tightly bunched between like 15th to 19th. So if things, randomness and, and everything like that that we'd normally expect was was involved in playing the game might happen, who knows? But from a simulation perspective, what do what does InfoGoal see happening in the Premier League? Yeah, so obviously Liverpool, they are, what, 25 points clear. Um, and we don't see a scenario where Liverpool don't win the Premier League. Um, they are 100% chance of, of winning it. They're the champions. Um, and using the expected points, we, we, obviously the, the main thing for them now is can they break Manchester City's record of, of 100 points? They're on 82 right now with nine games left to play. They, they can do it. 109 points is what they could finish with. But uh, based on our simulations, we give them a 50% chance of breaking the 100-point record. So um, that's really interesting. 
And if the if the league season was to get back underway, that 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 would be obviously the main talking point from now to the end of the season. Um, Manchester City, we expect them to finish a comfortable second. They've got a ninety nine point five percent chance of finishing second. So um, you know they're, they're going to be the best of the rest, if you like. Uh, we we do think Leicester will will finish third. We think they'll finish above Chelsea. Uh, they're at 68% chance of a third place finish, uh, at 90% chance of finishing the top four. So, in 10% of the simulations, Leicester do drop out, but you know that's quite slim compared to the 90. Um, and then it gets really interesting because obviously we've got four or five teams that are separated by, you know, uh, five points. Chelsea obviously were on that really poor run before um, winning a couple of games uh, before the suspension of the league. We still make them favourites to finish fourth and, and finish in the top four, um, but it is only fifty-seven percent. So it's you know it's, they're they're our favourites to finish fourth, but they were well, we were so much more certain on them um, a few weeks ago before Manchester United's upturn um, and their dip. So um, that's the really that's the close battle. Um, Manchester United themselves are a forty percent chance of finishing the top four, uh, and that was up that's up from around fifteen percent. Three weeks before the um, the suspension of the league, mostly due to the fact that our, our calculations they had to go to Chelsea, um, they obviously had to go to Everton, and they and they had Manchester City at home. And in all three of those matches, the Inter model made them second favourites, but they came away from that with seven points. So um, for the remaining fixtures, which look quite kind on paper, um, they they could rack up some serious points um, and, and make things make life difficult for Chelsea. So we we see it as a Almost a, um, a, a two-horse race, if you like, for for that fourth spot between Chelsea and Manchester United. So, fifty-seven percent Chelsea, forty percent United, uh, and then it starts to get interesting because we've got um, Wolves as, as as finishing sixth um, based on the simulations, um, followed by Sheffield United in seventh. So, neither of the North London clubs finish um, in the top seven based on our simulations, um, which isn't a surprise really, given the fact that all season long we've been talking about how poor they've been um, based on expected goals. Neither of them should be um, in the top half, according to our model. Spurs and Arsenal. Spurs 15th on the expected goals table, Arsenal 13th. So both have performed extremely poorly um, when it's come to creating and, and conceding um, good chances. Well, I like that on, uh, you just said there, Jake, on, on Premier League Insights, we've Week in, week out, we were talking about how, how Tottenham and Arsenal were even overperforming their their poor performance. I like this could be your your last chance to to bash the North London clubs, and you still managed to get it in. Well, you know, it, it's it's a one of the themes of the show. Um, I like to keep it in there. It, it, I think pe- I think the listeners would be worried if if we didn't bring up Arsenal and Tottenham and uh, at least show the some some negatives because you know Arsenal have, they picked up points before the the suspension of the league. They, they'd won the last three matches, but Based on expected goals, it was only the uh, Newcastle game in which they deserved to win. They were second best on XG against both Everton and West Ham. So, you know, I know that the the irony, irony is that if they, if they finish the season now and take a points per game uh, view on on how to conclude it, Arsenal would actually jump above Tottenham because they've played a game fewer. But that game in hand is actually against Manchester City, which is sort of why that sort that method doesn't really work. Because if they play their game in hand and lose to Manchester City, then all of a sudden they're below Tottenham still. So, um, which I think the Infocom model has around a seventy percent chance that they would lose that match. And then if we if we go down to the towards the bottom of the table, um, 
I'm going to guess here that Norwich four points adrift. They're they're all but down according to your your numbers. But then it's it's quite congested between Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham, and and Brighton. And three of those five are, are separated just on goal difference. So so what's going to happen there? Do you think? Yeah. So we think that the the bottom three, as it stands, is the bottom three that will go down. Um, we've got Norwich is almost certainly down there at ninety six percent. It's it's a long way back for them. They've got six points to make up. Um, but in their remaining fixtures, they do have a few six-pointers, so that could turn the tide for them. Um, Aston Villa banged on about them all season long as having the league's worst defence. Um, they concede the most expected goals against per game by a long way. It's up around 2.5. So we don't give them much chance of, of surviving just based on the fact that they can't keep goals out. Um, they're they're at 80% chance of going down. Um, and then Bournemouth, they're, they're the ones that obviously they're level on points with Watford and West Ham. They're at 53% chance, so it's more likely than not that they do go down. Um, it would be a shame for Eddie Howe to see uh, the, you know, his side go down after having such a good run in the Premier League. But this season, they haven't been very impressive. They've been very inconsistent with performances, as we spoke about. You know, They've kept three or four clean sheets in a row and then all of a sudden turned into the old Bournemouth and were involved with five-goal thrillers and four-goal thrillers at... Um, they, they, they're the same as Aston Villa. They can't defend, but their attack is slightly better than Villa's, which is why we give them a better chance of staying up. And they have a two-point advantage. Uh, Watford, almost a, another great escape on Nigel Pearson's um, CV. We give them a 30% chance of going down. So in seven out of 10 simulations, they survive. Uh, and as I mentioned before, West Ham are a quarter of simulations they get relegated in. So David Moyes will drag them to... Just about to safety, um, according to our model. Uh, and bright as for Brighton, we rank them as a mid-table team, so we think that they'll pick up enough points um, between or from the remaining nine fixtures. Obviously, the main talking point around Brighton is is the fact that they've not won since the turn of the year. So it may come as a surprise that we're so confident on Brighton surviving. Um, but we've been talking about them on the pod all season long. Has been you know a really really talented team. They're putting up really impressive underlying numbers. Uh, and if they do stay up, which we think they will, um, then there'll be a team, interesting team to watch next season if, if they continue the same process. So Brighton go down in around an eighth of the simulations. So um, your bottom three is as it stands according to our model. Well, as as interesting as it is, uh, no offence, but I hope it doesn't come to having to use the the info goal numbers because we we obviously do want to see the, <laughs> yeah, the season played we out. See matches. Um, but we'll we'll move on to La Liga and and that one's a little bit or a lot closer at the top of the table. It's been back and forth with Barcelona and Real Madrid all season. Barcelona are currently top, but numbers suggest it it should actually be Madrid that are leading the league. Does Info goal think they'd they'd get back on top in the eleven games that remain? Uh, we don't know. Um, obviously, Barcelona have got a two-point cushion, which is is crucial. But like you said, they flip-flopped for um, you know three or four game weeks prior to the suspension. But Barcelona's underlying rating is still um, is still fairly high. Their their performances have improved under Kike Setien, which is um, which is cause for obviously an, an increase in their xG numbers and and therefore their rating. So that we actually make them sixty percent favourites to win La Liga title. So in you know six out of ten simulations, Barcelona go on to lift at yet another La Liga title. The issue with Real Madrid is their their consistency. They they don't create the chances um, in line with Barcelona, um, and defensively they are almost as vulnerable as Barca have been this season. And, um, and in terms of a fixture schedule, they've got a tougher one, which is why they're uh, their second favourites. And that two point cushion could come in um, 
you know, it could it could be crucial. But then on the other hand, you've got Real Madrid have the El Clasico advantage, which is uh, obviously in, in Spain things are decided from a head to head basis if you're tied, um, and Real Madrid ha- have that head to head advantage having having won two nil um, at the Bernabeu not so long ago. So uh, it's really that's a really interesting tussle. Obviously, it looks as though neither team want to win it, given how they're um, throwing points away recently. But um, we make Barcelona favourites to to go on to do that, and then you know things get really interesting from there because you've got five teams, six teams separated by five points um, in terms of qualification for Europe, with Atletico Madrid surprisingly down in sixth. Um, now, the the Infogol um, XG model absolutely loves Atletico Madrid this season. Really interesting because the last few seasons uh, where Atletico finished second, they've ranked about sixth or seventh on expected goals, whereas this season their underlying process has has improved drastically um, and they're not seeing the rewards for it. So they've scored just 31 goals in 27 league games this season, Atletico, but according to expected goals, they should have scored closer to 48. Um, And, you know, not all of that is down to Alvaro Morata. So, um, you know, Atletico Madrid are a really impressive side. We rate them highly. Uh, and we think they will claw back into that top four. Uh, we're giving them a 53% chance of doing that. So more often than not, they finish in the top four in our simulations. But they do finish behind Sevilla. Um, we really like Sevilla as well. Julian Lopetegui's done a great job there. And their underlying numbers are also impressive. And uh, they actually sit second in our expected goal table. So Sevilla and Atletico making up the top four with um, Sociedad and Getafe following them uh, in, in fifth and sixth. Both of them... Uh, above an 85% chance of finishing in the top six, which is, you know, for Getafe, sensational, going back-to-back top six. And uh, obviously they had that great victory over Ajax in the Europa League knockout rounds before um, that was suspended. They're looking like a real force in Spain now. Um, And then Valencia are one of the more interesting teams because obviously they were uh, Champions League last season. They finished in the top four. This season under um, Albert Solares, their performances have been terrible. They've been really, really, really poor Expected goal difference of minus nine um, after 27 matches, which, you know, that, that is relegation sort of numbers. That would put them as the sixth worst team if you take their expected goal difference. Uh, but yet they still find themselves seventh in the league. Still in with a chance of Europe, but we don't give them much of a chance of, of finishing that that high in the league, just a 13%. Um, and as for the bottom, the bottom three are pretty much, um, we expect them to finish as they are. And I think, one of the surprises of the season in the Liga has been how poor Espanyol have been. Uh, they finished seventh last season to get into the Europa League. Uh, and now they find themselves rock bottom and six points from safety. So it's been a real fall from grace for them. And we only give them a 25% chance of staying up. So it could be a really, really long way down for them. Uh, Mallorca are expected to join them. Uh, and Leganes, well, they're three points from safety, but they rank as a mid-table team. So we give them the best chance of staying up out of those three. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I mean we want to we want to take an objective view, and Leganos are the the one that dropped jumped out to me. They, it seems like they've been unlucky this season to kind of go down without any chance of of playing their games to to fight for their own safety. Feels a bit unfair, and then and as you said at the the top of the table, Hetafe and, and Real Sociedad, two two teams that could potentially um, get into to Champions League spots to to be denied that. It just something just doesn't quite feel right about it, does it? No. Uh, Especially for, for Hitafe, they've been in the top four for most of the season. And um, as it stands, if they cancelled the season now, they would finish in the Europa League spots as uh, by virtue of losing the head-to-head record to Real Sociedad. So, um, you know, that's an extremely tough way of 
deciding that league, um, uh, you know, it, that really wouldn't be fair for a team that have been extremely impressive throughout the course of the season. They've been a really hard team to beat. Uh, they're one of the teams with a really tiny budget in La Liga, which is, um, you know, which makes their feats all the more impressive. Right, we'll move on to, to Serie A and, and this one, it, it looked quite open at the top of the table for a while. Now it's it's ended up pretty much being a two-horse race. On face value, it, it looks all, all too familiar with Juve at the top, Lazio in second and Inter in third, but but underlying numbers do look quite a lot different in this league. Who do you think would, would win the title if we were to simulate the rest? Um, well, th- this is the tightest league, obviously, in terms of a um, in terms of a, a contest, and it's the league in which you know the teams have been the most consistent. Obviously, we've got Barca and Real Madrid split by uh, just the two points, but one point between Juve and Lazio, um, and we've got you know the, the two teams have been so so consistent all season long. Lazio, obviously, on that extremely uh, impressive run, but you know based on the underlying numbers, Juve really haven't been that impressive this season. Um, in terms of expected goals, the best team in the league this season has been Atalanta. They're down in fourth. Um, I think the league is probably beyond them. They are 15 points behind with one game in hand. So, uh, but they, you know, they have a 37 expected goal difference, a positive 37 um, co- compared to 17 of Juventus. So, they really are the the team who are the best attacking team, and for us, the best team. They are expected to be first. As for Juventus, their, their underlying numbers have taken a real knock since um, Massimiliano Allegri left and Maurizio Sarri's come in. With their expected goals against has actually increased quite drastically. It's now at 32.2, um, which means that they're, they've averaged uh, 1.24 expected goals against per game. Uh, last season under Allegri, that was less than one. So you can see where their, their struggles have been. And, and you know they, they do... St- basically typical Juventus things. They'll win games 2-1 and 1-0. Um, and then against the better teams in and around them, they always seem to get a result, which must be infuriating for the rest of um, Serie A. They did that to Inter Milan in the last match before league uh, was suspend, suspended. Um, you know, that one point, that could prove crucial. Um, as it stands right now, we've got Juventus as, as narrow favourites to get over the line. 49.5% chance of winning on Serie A. Um, and we've got Lazio at 44%. So it is a two-horse race. Obviously, Inter Milan have fallen away after those two defeats. Um, but it, that is extremely close, 44 to 49.5. Uh, and I think there's a head-to-head meeting as well, which could obviously decide the title. Um, but it's really exciting, that that, that league. And uh, you know, I just hope that we do get to see a climax. Well, for the, the head-to-head meeting, we might as well just toss a coin and see what happens with that, with everything else that's going on. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if that... If the league was to you know, finish as it is now, um, Lazio have got a great chance in head-to-head to um, obviously turn over Juventus. They've beaten them in the Italian Super Cup not so long ago. So um, if, if the season was to finish without being play, playing this head-to-head game, then yeah, you'd have to feel sorry for Lazio, especially if Juve were awarded the title. So finally, we'll get on to, to the Bundesliga. And, and this one for me, in terms of the, the top of the table, I mean... Uh, the bottom is seems like it's pretty much all but done. But but at the top, there's there's five teams still in the in the title race. So Bayern Munich have, have dominated for years over there. But from them in first, right down to Bayer Leverkusen, there's there's very few points between them. So, have you had a look at this one? And and what do you think might happen here? Yeah, well, um, unfortunately for the Bundesliga, this on our simulations is 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 the most one sided. Apart from uh, obviously the Premier League, we've got. 
although it's so tight in terms of points um, accrued, we, we've actually got Bayern Munich as really strong favourites to go on and, and win the Bundesliga. We've got them at 84% chance of doing so. So <laughs> that that just takes into account everything that we've seen from Bayern Munich. And uh, although they have been a little bit shaky this season in terms of you know the number of points that they've dropped, their underlying performances have been fantastic. Um, you know, they're, they're posting up ridiculous numbers in terms of expected goals, averaging over three expected goals per game uh, while conceding 1.27. So you're looking at an expected goal difference per game of around 1.8, which is staggering, really. Um, they've racked up 76 expected goals in 25 matches, which, uh, as you would expect, is the best in the league, um, rivaled in Europe only by PSG. So they're... Based on expected goals, Bayern Munich are playing in a different ballpark to everyone else in the league, which is why we've got them um, as such strong favourites to go on and, and win yet another Bundesliga title. Um, but interestingly, we've got RB Leipzig as, uh, as finishing second uh, above Dortmund. They've got an 11% chance of, uh, of winning a, a first Bundesliga title. Uh, Dortmund at 4% chance, so we really don't uh, rate their chances of, of pushing Bayern Munich all the way. That, again, is down to their... Um, expected goals rating. They're, they've always been a, um, an overperformance since Lucien Favre took over uh, at the start of last season. Um, they were extremely fortunate to push Bayern so close last season and uh, their levels of performance have stayed exactly the same, which is why you've seen a um, slight regression in, in terms of points uh, points accumulated and obviously results not going their way. As for Leipzig, they've come on leaps and bounds under Julian Nagelsmann. So we think that those two will flip-flop and then the, the final um, Champions League spot is, you know, it's a really interesting heat between two really good attacking sides, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Bayer Leverkusen. But we give the edge to, to Gladbach. Obviously, they, they have a two-point advantage and, um, you know, they have the best uh, expected goal rating of the two. Bayer Leverkusen have come on leaps and bounds. They're, they're on a really good streak at the moment. But we give the edge to Gladbach. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you look at that table and you see Schalke in sixth and, you know, obviously David Wagner, former Huddersfield manager, is um, is in place there. And, uh, you know, you look, we look at those, their expected goal numbers and they sit 15th in our expected goal table. So we sit sixth and uh, we've got them just above the relegation playoff place um, based on our model. So they really are a massive overperformer. So if the season was to be simmed, we don't expect them to hang around in that in that top six. Uh, we give them just a 16% chance of doing so. Uh, we've actually got them finishing down in eighth. So um, they, they would be the one team that, that to watch um, and see how far they fall. As for Wolfsburg, they're, they're the team that we like out of the, t- uh, the chasing pack. They've been very impressive this season. Fifth in our expected goals table. Um, very impressive in defence. They've got the... the, the Bundesliga's second best defence according to expected goals and we see them climbing up and claiming that sixth um, spot and getting into the Europa League. As for the bottom, obviously Paderborn are cut well adrift six points from safety or six points from the relegation playoff and then surprisingly Werder Bremen in there as well. Um, we, we expect both of those to go down. Paderborn at 88% chance, Werder Bremen 68%. Um, and then Dusseldorf look, look like they're um, honed in on that that playoff spot we've got an 84 percent chance that they finish um 16th or or below so um bottom of the table is pretty much as 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 you were um and a few changes at the top but let's hope we get some matches and we can actually um put some of this into practice it's 
interesting, isn't it? That we were we were talking about playoffs as a, a hypothetical scenario, and I, I completely forgot the unique situation in the Bundesliga where they actually use the relegation playoff again. So that that throws up another question: What do you do? You sim everything to to sort out the final positions in the table, and then you you simulate the playoff as well to see who goes down. Yes, yeah, so that that would be how we would do things. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the Bundesliga two data to hand, so I couldn't see which team um, is currently in the position to obviously play in the in the relegation playoff. But um, you know, one of the surprise packages in the Bundesliga uh, this season, Union Berlin, they they gained promotion through the relegation playoff spot. So um, anything is possible in, in that sense. But yeah, unfortunately, I can't tell you the percentage chance of uh, teams to stay up or go down via the playoffs just yet well you've you've given us so much information already jake i think we can we can let you <laughs> off that um but we have been we've been talking about and it's it's very interesting to talk about the outright scenario title winners relegation european qualification potential promotion everything like that but obviously if if these leagues do resume there's there's going to be the opportunity for betters to to get back into the individual game betting and, and week by week basis to to analyse markets and things like that. So have you have you put any thought to to if 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 games were to restart, what would be the approach to to betting on individual games? I mean, you've got things like the fixture congestion, what comes out of that, match fitness of the players. I think there's talk of like five subs in a game. We've already talked about home field advantage and the the impact of behind closed doors, but Let's say next week that the leagues start again. I know you like to bet. So so what kind of approach would you take there? Yeah, that, that it's a really interesting one. I mean, you know, the Bundesliga has been in training for a while now. So I would hope that the players are back up to um, match speed or at least uh, the sort of level of fitness that we expect from the start of the, um, you know, start of a new season. Because it is basically a layoff. And, and, you know, especially in the Bundesliga, they're used to it because obviously they have the summer layoff uh, and then they also have a winter break. So they're used to stepping things up again and getting match fit. So that isn't too much of an issue for me. But um, if it was to be an issue, then um, I'd be looking at favouring bigger squads. So your teams like your Bayern Munichs, um, Leipzig, I think Dortmund have got quite a thin squad compared to those two. Um, but, but Bayern Munich and Leipzig, they, they're deep in quite a lot of positions. Uh, and also the teams that play in Europe, if we have a fixture congestion, because they're used to playing um, Wednesday, Saturday, uh, you know, Thursday, Sunday, or, or however the fixtures turn out. Um, so that that would be certainly be an angle for me. Um, if if there were to be a fixture congestion where you've got four weeks to cram in eight matches, then I'd certainly be favouring um, teams with bigger squads and teams that have experience of playing in Europe. And what what I I wanted to do today is I wanted to talk about potential upcoming games. Obviously, there was positive news about Bundesliga potentially starting on May the 9th. You then let me know that before we started recording, it's it's been pushed back to the 16th. We were hopeful of a, a Leipzig Dortmund match to to get us back in the the flow of things but not quite going to happen have you have you looked ahead to the 16th and any fixtures out there potentially that that might be worth betting on um well I mean I'm just looking to see if there's any markets up there, there aren't any markets up but in terms of um like interesting matches Wolfsburg versus Bayern Munich for me is uh, is probably one of the standout ties like I've said Wolfsburg and uh, fifth in our expected goals table one of the better defenses and obviously Bayern Munich are in a league of their own, but I would imagine that Bayern Munich will be a lot shorter than what we have them uh, as to beat Wolfsburg. So we've got Bayern Munich at 57% chance of, of winning, uh, which is around 1.8. Um, I would imagine that, that, that the value there would be to oppose Bayern Munich, because like I said, we rate Wolfsburg a lot higher than, uh, than potentially what the bookmakers do. Um, 
Dortmund-Hoffenheim, that's a really interesting game. Two high-scoring teams. Chances at both ends. Um, I think we've got a really high chance of, of both teams score. Well, we've got a 56% chance of over three and a half goals in that one. So we make that odds on, which you know is unusual for an over three and a half bet. Um, as for the rest, you know, Leipzig away at Augsburg, you're probably looking at uh, get, trying to get a decent price for Leipzig there. And you know the Infocom model suggests that that, that would be um, a value bet if you could get them anywhere around 1.6 or 1.7. <clears throat> Yeah, as long as there's some sort of football for for us to look at, watch, bet on, uh, and and appreciate, then you know just can't wait for it to get back. Well, that's it. Next week, it might we might have to wait a little while longer for Premier League insights, but we might have Bundesliga insights, La Liga insights. Who knows what will happen? Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm here for any and all of those leagues um, as soon as we can get some football back. Well, I, I mean, it, it does feel good to be talking about soccer again, kind of, albeit in, in strange circumstances. But hopefully it won't be too long before we're back on with, with other podcasts, Jake. Thanks for coming on and, and trying to untangle what could, should, might or might not happen for the remainder of the European soccer campaigns. Much appreciated. No, it's been a pleasure. Like you said, it, is, it makes a nice change to be talking about um, football, soccer in you know a positive light rather than trying to see what, what's going to happen um, and sort of predicting and, and Obviously, seeing leagues being cancelled is not what we want to uh, what we want to happen. So, fingers crossed, we get some football soon. And if you do want any more information on InfoGoal, you can visit infogold.net, follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter, and download the app on Apple and Android. There are matches outside of the elite European leagues that are available on Pinnacle.com, and obviously, as soon as those fixtures are confirmed, the odds will be available to bet on. Best of luck with any future bets, and remember to always gamble responsibly.